Welcome to the Women Who podcast, the podcast for female business owners and leaders looking for inspiration, insights and advice, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows of life as an entrepreneur. Hosted by Women Who Worcestershire co-founders, Carrie Pawley and Lisa Lloyd. Women Who Worcestershire, supporting women in business and in life. Today's episode of the Women Who podcast is sponsored by Louise Squires, clinical hypnotherapist at Inspired to Change. If you're feeling stressed or anxious, have lost your confidence or self-esteem, feel overwhelmed and are looking for better ways to cope, Louise is the person to speak to today. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Women Who podcast. Today I'm joined by Nicole from Worcester City Women's Football Club. Hi Nicole, how are you? Hi, Carrie. I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Yes. Um, so I am the co-owner and CEO of Worcester City Women's Football Club. Um, I also own my own business, um, women's football agency and consultancy called NA Sport. Um, so within in that hat that I wear, it's all about talent management. So I work a lot with coaches and players, um, specifically getting them into the media and sort of commercial deals for them, helping helping them grow their careers off the pitch. Um also education. So I work a lot with universities, writing and developing and then teaching women's football modules uh, for sports universities and then also consultancy. So I've done consultancy around the world um, for women's football. So I've been to Saudi Arabia, helping them develop their first ever women's football league. Um, I've worked for various different clubs uh, around this country and, and, and also across Europe as well. So um, my my main, I suppose, focus over the last 18 months has been with Worcester City Women. Um, so took over the club in March 2021. Um, and, and that has been a, a not just a passion project, but, but something that's just taken over my life, really, um, all for the better. So, yeah, that's that's a bit about me. I don't even know where to start with questions on that. That's amazing. Been everywhere and, and football's been your life. I guess for yes for a really long time how did you how did you first get started how did you get into football has it always been a passion yeah it, it honestly has um so my dad um, and an older brother who's six years older than me um incredibly passionate about football um so it kind of it kind of came from there um I mean dad always talks about how I wanted to play football in the garden with dad and Jim before I could even walk so there was <laughs> there was my dad kind of carrying me and, and allowing me to swing my legs at the ball um so uh even we're, we're big Tottenham fans at, at, at my uh, household and even my first word was Tottenham um much to my mother <laughs> Uh, uh, surprise, a I think. first word it is I think it was done in two kind of ways you know uh top num. um but yeah my dad was very pleased about that I'm not sure how long he worked on that one for but yeah for me for me football has been everything from you know as as soon as I can remember really um and there weren't obviously the opportunities that we we're starting to see now for girls playing football um I was the only girl playing football at my primary school. Um, I, I certainly got a lot of comments when I played for my primary school, Red Hill um, in, in Worcester, uh, of being the only being the only girl. Um, I remember actually a, 
uh, Red Hill newsletter that my mum and dad found from going in the loft recently um, that was written by one of the, the teachers who took the, the football sort of classes as well. Um, and he wrote a report about a game that we played against Elbury Mount where I scored a hat-trick and silenced the Boo Boys, uh, which <laughs> I thought was really nice. Yeah. So it it really was down to, you know, to parents and supportive family who kind of just encouraged me. And and it's funny because thinking back, I never I there was never any moment that I doubted whether I wanted to play or not. So even even when I had those boo boys or even when I was the only girl, you know, wondering where to get changed into the kit because there was no girls changing rooms or no girls toilets like it never it never put me off. And, you know, whether I was born with that resilience or or, or what, I don't know. But I'm really grateful that I absolutely continue to, to play, continue to want to have a career in football um, because there were so many doors that were closed for me. Um, and I suppose that what's in, is actually what inspires me now is to try and open as many doors as possible for, for girls and boys alike um, in, in football, because I believe football can change lives. I believe it's a, it's a sport that can, you know, change our world all for the better. Um, and so the more opportunities that people have to experience football, be that playing, be that coaching, refereeing, working in the business side of the game, I, I think everybody deserves to have that chance. So that's the legacy that I want to leave. It's an impressive legacy, definitely, and definitely something that we're, I think we're all seeing that, that you know since the euros in the summer there's been this huge interest in women's football that that probably wasn't there before is that something that you're seeing in in Worcester definitely yeah I think you know Worcester and um, there's still a lot of work to be done if I'm honest in, in Worcester around girls football and women's football particularly it's a I feel like a bit of a sleeping giant and, and that's a big reason of why I moved back to Worcester to actually take over the club and and hopefully use the club as a as a sort of um catalyst for girls football throughout Worcestershire um there has definitely been a step change since the Lionesses won the Euros. Um, you know, more interest. I mean, we've seen more fans come to our games, and and that's a mixture of of success from from the summer, but also a huge amount of work that we're doing, obviously locally, to uh, to attract people to come to watch our games. Um, but there has been a, a huge amount of work being done a, across the country and, and specifically from the Football Association prior to the summer to try and professionalise women's football in the country. And the first strategy, actually, that they ever wrote was in 2008. Um, and there's been so many different iterations of that since. And that it, I often say to people, it, the Euros wasn't just something that just happened, sort of click of the fingers. It, yeah. it was something that has been planned and worked on for a, for a really long time. But I think, you know, my, my experience, I've been living in um, London and, and sort of Hertfordshire for the last 12 years and, and working in football, um, women's football for the last sort of five years specifically. Um, it's a very different environment in, in London and some of the bigger counties um, than compared to coming up to Worcester and Worcestershire and sort of Herefordshire area, because there's still, we're, we're I feel like we're about five to seven years behind everybody else there's a lot more that we we can do and should be doing um so I'm really hoping that you know my role at the club and and all of the players all of the coaches that we have can can really try and 
kick that off because what an opportunity we have from from inspiring so many people from watching the lionesses in the summer yeah it's it's moving from that inspiration to actually being able to participate in whatever way people want to whether it's it's you know the little girls joining a, a school team you, know, you talked about basically playing with the the boys football team because a girls team didn't exist when you were you were in school I think you know it's 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 much more widespread there's quite a lot of um girls clubs in Worcestershire now definitely you know are, are you are you kind of seeing those those links building between schools the local clubs and and kind of feeding up into Worcester City one day yeah, and, and that's absolutely the the plan. And and we've we've started to connect a lot more with schools. We're in some schools coaching after school clubs and and things like that as well, which is brilliant. Uh, we run a our own Saturday morning uh, club as well at Claims Primary School, um, which is for sort of seven to nine year olds and then ten to twelve year olds. So we're really trying to um, engage those age groups so that then for those that want to continue just playing recreationally, they can do in a really fun, safe environment. But then those that maybe want to start joining a team there's a there's a pathway and a route to join Worcester City um, and and then come and watch us on a Sunday at Claims Lane and you see your your role models playing in, in the first team which is that whole that's a really successful pathway working um, so definitely seeing you know lots more success in the links with schools and, and local clubs as well and there are some brilliant grassroots clubs around around Worcester you know Nunnery Wood um, have been doing this for a long time as well and Warnden Villages so some really great grassroots clubs that are doing great things as well um, there's there's still certainly a lot more that can be be done um, I think overall if we think about that the country one of the stats that really sort of struck me after the Euros was that only 40% of schools in the UK offer the same access to football as boys. Um, that's such a low number when when you think about, you know, we're, we're in 2022, uh, we should be offering the same access, we should be offering the same opportunities. And, and that's something that I'm, I'm always talking about, be that in my um, job with Worcester City or within my own, my own business at NA Sport is, think about how we can offer the same opportunities. That's that's key. Um, and that doesn't just mean playing, coaching, as you said, that can mean in, in so many different ways. And, you know, I hope that, that by speaking to um, schools, speaking to young people, they can actually see that there's other roles in football that you can do. You know, when I grew up, I didn't think, oh, I want to work in, in football and, you know, work in all the different organisations that I've done and eventually own a football club. Like, I didn't see that that was a path that I could that I could yeah. follow because I'd never seen anyone else do it. Um, so I would really like to use, you know, my background and my career to to show people that actually, hey, you can do it um, and and actually offer my mentorship to, to allow people to do that. Um, so... Lots of progress, um, but but as always, you can always you, you can always improve, right? So there's a lot more that we can do. So, how did you how did you make that move from from playing in school, playing locally, into a professional career in football? You know, forty percent of schools means there's you know sixty percent aren't offering it to girls or certainly not to the same degree and that's a big going to be a big barrier for for those kids so how did you get past that and, and yeah end up where you are now and where I am yeah well exactly and, and like most careers they that uh, nothing was linear right so 
for me going to high school there was no girls football at all at my high school um but I was really fortunate to meet somebody um called Dawn Scott who has been um really successful working in in football and particularly women's football uh Dawn studied at Worcester University um and she was also working for England at the time this is kind of going into uh like late 90s early 2000s um so she was working for the FA and working for the England women's national team at the time um in sort of performance and nutrition and then she got roles um over in the states in the professional leagues there and, and she actually worked I think for nearly 10 years with the US women's national team so she's won oh, world wow. cups she's been met Barack Obama and, and all sorts of things and Dawn was my coach um for Worcester County um in yeah probably it would be 1999 2000 something like that and that was my opportunity to get back into sort of football because I'd been pushed down the hockey route for for years being at school um and I just remember actually at school there being a kind of notice in in the form tutor class that I was in to say girls football trials for county at, at Worcester University and I thought yeah I'm definitely going for that and that really was my then opportunity um and I was supported by Dawn who opened doors for me to trial at Birmingham City um, and and Wolverhampton Wanderers. And I I played for Birmingham City initially and then moved to Wolverhampton Wanderers. And at the time, we were at the top tier of women's football. Um, So it was before the Women's Super League and and professionalisation. But played for Wolves for for most of my career. And, um, you know, forever grateful to my mum and dad who shifted me about from Worcester up the M5 to Wolverhampton three times a week. Yes, always always supportive parents when um there's people kind of in in sports there's a lot of behind the scenes effort oh absolutely and needed absolutely and you know we talk about doors opening you you can't do that without a support network and, yeah. and that's something I often talk to people that I'm mentoring is identify who your support network are and, and be aware of that support because it's so important. And, you know, I probably, you know, took it for granted a bit when when I was doing that and before I could drive myself. But the older you get, the more you realise quite how, you know, lucky yeah. that, that, that you were. Um, and for me, that opening to play for Wolves just, you know, I absolutely loved it. And I it, it was like my second family really being at being at Wolves, the friends that, you know, that I made and I'm still friends with them now. And it it was it it kind of really shifted I suppose me from thinking that I just enjoy football to actually thinking hey I could I do this as as a potential career I I love football so much that I want to be in football whatever that is um going to university then um I went to university in Birmingham which meant I could still play for for Wolves because I could travel yeah. quite easily from Birmingham uh, but obviously priorities in your life start to shift because you're having to focus on studies um I actually spent a year living in Germany as part of my studies um because I I actually studied European studies with German um so a lot of people thought that I would go down the the sport route because I was you know really good at PE that was my sport but I I knew I didn't want to be a PE teacher um and all the career advice was just go and do a sports science degree. And I, I knew I didn't want to do that. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, and I was also quite good at languages and enjoy history and culture and travel. And I thought it'd be quite cool to go and spend a year living somewhere else. So um, definitely. 
so so that that year living in Germany was um, a, a real catalyst again for me because it actually gave me quite a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do in life um, because it, it helped me realize what I didn't want to do, which was I didn't want to be a translator or an interpreter, which is probably where my degree was kind of taking me down. Yeah. But I, I wanted to be able to utilize um, knowledge um, and I suppose my passion for uh, people um which which I learned a lot about you know learning about different cultures and and meeting different people but I wanted to use my other passion and my other side of my life to to do that so football and I was looking at ways that I could combine that um and that's when I found a football business master's degree that was in London so I I sort of focused on that being that's where I want to get to. I want yeah. to educate yeah. myself in football business. And that at the time, that was the only course that existed um, in terms of football were there, business. Were there many women doing that course or was it all, all no, men I, thinking stereotypes it, here? I know. but Yeah, no, I was I was one of three females on the course. And actually, I was the only one doing it part time. So in the end, when I eventually moved to London uh, to do that, and I had a stint living in America in between coming back from university, um, I, I moved to America and, and spent six to eight months there football coaching and working at a soccer franchise um, over there. Came back, moved to London, um, got a job working for a sports research agency and did that master's course part time. So I worked full time in a really busy um, job working with lots of different sports properties. So not just football, but um, Formula One, um, ATP tennis, loads of different things and working with a lot of brands within sport. Uh, and then had three lectures uh, a week in the evenings from six o'clock till nine o'clock at night. <laughs> it must have been knackered. It was tiring. It was tiring, but incredibly worth it. And the networks that I um, built through that as well, yeah, through work definitely. and studying was was amazing. And once I then uh, completed that master's degree after two years, and I'd been working then for pretty much two and a half, three years at the, at the agency, um, I moved over to the Football League. So I got a job working for the Football League, which administer the Championship League One and League Two. So the three divisions underneath the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and I was there for three years um, working in a sort of hybrid role around marketing, research, digital. Um, and, and there are 72 football clubs that exist within the Football League. Um, so I worked with all those 72 clubs, which was amazing. Learned so much about. They learned so much in some way, yeah. like that kind of a role. Definitely. And being in London as well, it, it, it just talking about opportunities, like London is the place for opportunities. And if you connect and network with people, then, you know, you 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 do really um, find little nuggets of information that, that that's so useful for then your next step. Um, and I, I often say to students now that either I'm teaching or mentoring, um, you know, I I actually haven't ever got a job in the sports industry that I've just applied for. It's always been about who you know. So even how I got the job at the Football League was because they were my client when I was looking after them when I was at Kantar Sport, the um, research agency. Um, and an opening came up at the Football League and they spoke to me and said, hey, we would love you to come over and, and work for us. Um, right and then place, right that time, Absolutely. right contact right contacts and and that is so much what it's about um after the football league spent um spent a year or so another research agency heading up a, a media production team um so what we would do is provide 
value back to sponsors that were paying obviously millions of pounds yeah. um to to sponsor major sports events and we would provide the research back to them in terms of what their return on investment was um and then i got my opportunity in in 2017 or 2016 17 to move into women's football um and and work for Tottenham Hotspur so Dream club for you then. Dream club for me, yeah. Spurs fan as a child. Yeah, it really was. And so in 2015, England, the the Lionesses finished third um, in the World Cup in in Canada. And it was a bit of a step change for women's football in this country because um, we played so well. Again, we inspired a, a kind of generation um beat Germany to to get the third place which is is always helpful in English football in Germany (laughs) Um, definitely (laughs) definitely um and from that kind of moment I really started to follow Tottenham Hotspur ladies as they were called at the time um and I followed watching them you know at matches but also across social media and I started to really research into how women's football was being developed at the FA um, and in 2016-17, Tottenham Hotspur ladies got promoted from their tier three that they were in at the time into tier two. And I knew from the research that I'd done that tier two um, meant that they had to meet business criteria to actually play in the league. So it wasn't enough to just get promoted on the pitch. You had to also meet business criteria. So that part- stuff like facilities, sustainability. Exactly. Yeah. So really proving that you could run as a business. Um, that was that was crucial to the FA because they wanted to make sure that the leagues were stabilised um, yeah. and they, you know, they couldn't just allow any team to, to come up that that then could go straight back down and, and they wanted to put some, some criteria and a licence around this so that it can actually grow sustainably. Um, and I knew that one of those sort of criteria was, was as you said, around kind of personnel and, and around building revenues and, and structures um, and I actually I knew a few people at Tottenham from obviously kind of being in the industry. And I, I reached out to them and said, you know, um, who runs the women's team off the pitch? Um, and they, they basically came back to me and said, Nicole, we would love a conversation with you. Um, we don't really know. Um, and that was quite interesting because it, it, it was then just an opportunity for me to come into a club that I obviously loved and, and had huge passion for um, and then understand the structures and, and how the ladies team had grown into, into sort of being a semi-professional football club. But then how do you take that to the next level? Um, so then I became general manager of, of the Tottenham Hotspur ladies team um, and 2019 we got promoted into the women's super league which is the professional league in england um and at that point i actually felt like i had achieved what i set out to achieve and for me i wanted to then go and go and go my own way and and that's when i set up my own agency and consultancy and was supporting players coaches um and and as i said education and, and other consultancy um and then suppose you know the pandemic happened um the pandemic was a catalyst for many different things, good and bad. Um, and for me, it opened up a conversation um, with somebody that that I met through working at, at Tottenham. Um, he was actually a sponsor um, of, of the Tottenham Hotspur ladies team. And we created a really good friendship. Um, and we, he's actually based over in Florida. 
we talked about what it was that I really wanted to do. Um, and and I s- said I'd all, I've always wanted to own my own football club. Um, and so we talked about how might we we do that together. And it was something that that he was really passionate about in terms of giving back to football because football had been a huge part of his life um, as well. And he'd, he'd actually moved over to Florida about 18, 19 years ago. Um, but but for him to, to give back to football um, and, and provide a, an opportunity, um, you know, for, for people and, and, a, and a club to go and actually progress um, from sort of the bottom all the way through to the top was was something that, you know, inspired him and motivated him. So that's how that conversation started. Um, and, and I kind of said, well, hey, I would love it to be Worcester. I think not just because um, I'm from Worcester and, and I'm obviously, you know, passionate about it. But actually, I felt that it really did represent a great business opportunity because it's a wonderful city. It's got a fantastic university and a a growing population, growing young population as well. And I, as I said at the beginning, I I feel like there's a lot more that we can do in Worcester and Worcestershire for girls football. So for me to be able to take all of my experience and expertise and, and come and actually lead this in a city and a county that I'm so passionate about and since moving back to Worcester have even become even more passionate about from the people that I meet the businesses that I meet um learning a bit about you know Worcester businesses and within the business improvement district 69% of businesses in Worcester are independent I love that because we're an independent football club as well so there's so many alignments with great people yeah. wanting to progress the city it just felt like such a natural fit and and then 18 months down the line we've just had our record attendance of over 300 people come and watching us which bearing in mind the first time I watched Worcester City Women there was about 10 people there um so to have yeah, 300 that's people quite an increase isn't it it's so. quite an increase and paying paying fans as well I think that's really important um you know a lot of a lot of people kind of assume that you can just walk up and watch women's football and there's no tickets to pay for. You, you just kind of turn up on a Sunday and watch. And that was something that I wanted to change from the off. And, and you know, our tickets are only three pounds. They're, they're not breaking the bank, but it's it's not even about the money that we make from that. All of the money, of course, goes back to the club and helps us run the club. Um, but it's actually about putting a value on women's sport and women's football. That's really important because you wouldn't walk up on a Saturday to Claims Lane and expect to walk in for free to watch the men's team. So no, why, why would do you do that? Think the the women's women's they can just come and watch for free. It, it it's just it seems madness to me. It, it, yeah, absolutely. they should be on a level playing field with kind of ticketing and and the like surely you know, yeah. it's, it's a business it's, it, it is it's a business a, and a free show <laughs> exactly exactly and and you know these our players are so incredibly dedicated and committed and talented you know there's a value to that and I think we showed on Sunday it was an incredible match um really entertaining game fantastic match day experience you've got nachos you know drinks being sold smiley faces um the 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 photos that have been captured from Sunday I keep looking at them every single day and just because you know they make me happy they make me realize that that's what success is that's what this is all about um it was an incredible atmosphere up there on on Sunday we had some of the women who gang up there to support the the team in the FA Cup and it was yeah it was a brilliant 
afternoon and so many kids yeah being involved yeah. as well was was brilliant to see really you know great and just for us we we have club values um that, that actually spell out the word rise um which is something that we worked on throughout the summer um and, I, and it all comes down from from our players so we were Really, we did a session actually with um, a, a Dr. Jen Gandhi, who has worked with the Lionesses um, before and, and, and still does actually work with a lot of those that won the Euros in, in the summer around high performance. Um, Impressive so performance connection. Psychologist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, really, really good connection. Um, she actually works with Matt Locke, our first team manager. Um, so again, you know, huge huge benefit from having connections and, and Matt's worked in, in professional football for 20 years. So we've got a lot of really experienced people around the club, which, which is why, you know, you can see that we're, we're growing and developing really well on and off the pitch. Um, but, but through Jen's session, we got the players really talking about what we want our legacy to be um, and, and where they feel that we are now as a club. And, group of the players came up with this sort of analogy that we're like baking bread. So we've got all of the right ingredients now and, and we're putting all of that together. We've just turned the oven on to preheat and we're just putting the bread in the oven ready for, for us to rise. Um, and, and this then was, was kind of came out of this is what we need to use because we are, our vision is about rising through the women's football pyramid and, and we're using that now as such a, key part of what we do you know on on and off the pitch um and that the iron rise is about inspiring that's that's what that is and we have to think every everything we do has to be about inspiring others and there's a lot of talk when the lionesses won the euros that they inspired a young generation but i would i would argue it inspired every generation and that's what i can I confirm that yeah. myself you know I've, I've become a football fan watching worcester city women I was interested kind of beforehand but got into it through the Euros and um yeah you can't get rid of me now <laughs> yeah I'm seeing you all the time now Carrie yeah yeah and but that that's it and you know there's there's no reason why anybody of any age can't start enjoying football yeah. um and and that's why we as a football club um, and myself as an individual can do so much for this city and, and county to help help develop that because there's so many there's so many things that we can do, you know, to to try and develop walking football, um, you know, small sided games. Um, you know, myself included, I play five a side once or twice a week, but it, it's so important for your mental health as well as physical health. And I, and I think there's a lot that that we are going to do as a club. Um, you'll you'll see that we're we're going to start from January onwards a sort of recreational league um, that's that's in partnership with the FA. Something they call Just Play, and there's there's bits of funding that the FA provide for that, which which will be um, football for the over thirty fives. And I think that's something that's really important because you know, as you said, you were you kind of had a light interest in in football before, but actually now you've you've watched the Euros, you've come and watched us as well. Hey, why don't you get involved? And and it's a great way to socialise, meet new people as well. So we take our role very seriously in that for from Worcester City. It's not just about our first team winning trophies or winning leagues and and going through the pyramid. That's very much a focus from our performance side but we're yeah, also really yeah. clear on what we need to do to deliver to the community and uh, it, it, you've made me think of the hashtag that I always see on your social media posts of la familia 
yeah it's it's more than just a club it's the whole community and everything that that surrounds it isn't definitely bringing everybody along with you definitely yeah and it's it's the way that we interact with fans on a match day you know it's the the way that our coaching staff as well will will spend time speaking to fans that the players do it's it's something that we've instilled in the players and and having that having that appreciation of of actually you know this is a they have a role here this isn't just about yeah. turning up to train once a week twice a week and playing on a sunday this is if you play for Worcester City women you you're a role model you have a role to play that that's about respecting people that's about inspiring people it's about being successful, but defining what that success is. And it's also about being exceptional in, in whatever you do and striving for that for that very best. And yeah, that, that's been a, a key part of the, the culture of our club um, and that that family feel of, you know, we are we're, we're here to to inspire and, and service the community. And that doesn't mean that we're not about winning and, and performance led because that's really important as well. We've, we've got to, yeah. and our yeah. vision is about going to the very top. Um, but, you know, for us, it's it's very much about how, we, how we're part of that community. So in terms of, of progressing up the, up the um, tiers of women's football, have you got kind of a plan for how, quickly other than as quick as possible um because there's there's going to be things that you need to factor in you talked earlier about having that whole business set up in order to progress um up the the tiers have you got plans in place or is that something that you're still developing yeah it's it's really important and as um women's football becomes more professional in in england there are more and more tighter criteria from a business perspective, yeah. um, which is great. So when I spoke about when I joined Tottenham, the criteria was for tier one and tier two. Well, now there's actually criteria that sits at tier three and four. Um, and we're in tier in five. Five, at the aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So so for us, that next progression uh, where, of course, we want to be in, into tier four, for us, it's all about planning and understanding what do we need to do to, to meet that criteria to be in tier four and actually looking even ahead to then tier three. So absolutely, that that's a huge amount of the work that I do on a daily basis is, is getting you know a football club into a position where we're ready to do that. And, and there's a hell of a lot that goes into it. And, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you can imagine there's, you know, things from finance and business management and, and corporate governance, which is really important. Accountability in, in that sense. There's there's marketing and, and commercial um, revenue generation there's facilities both training and and match day um, and then there's you know sort of the, the the technical staff I suppose so the people that are in and around you know the the on-pitch development the players the medical support the strength and conditioning support everything that then goes into the on-pitch stuff so there's a huge amount that, that goes into that um, for, for us I haven't put a time scale on on anything. Um, as you said, you know, as soon as possible, yes. But I'm also very aware that you don't want to run before you can walk. Yeah. Um, I often think of things as like a, you know, a hundred step process, say, for us to get from from where we were in March 2021 up to us wanting to be in the Women's Super League or being a professional club. And you can't jump 10 steps or five steps. You have to go through every single one. No. 
you, so, you need a slightly bigger stadium for uh, the Women's Super League. Absolutely. So they'll <laughs> they'll need to be discussions about about facilities and and you know Worcester doesn't um, doesn't have a huge amount of facilities sort of available. So there's a, there's a lot that needs to go into that in 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 the future as well. Yeah. And um, you know this the the whole kind of building foundations. And I think that. To me, that's what when I reflect on Sunday after getting over, obviously the disappointment of of not winning in in an FA Cup tie, especially when we we played such brilliant football and and deserved to win, in, in my opinion. And I think a lot of the fans have kind of said the yeah, same. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yes, definitely <laughs> deserve to win. <laughs> but the the great thing for me, and having worked in football for you know 12, 13 years now, the vast majority of clubs in in Football, particularly in men's football, actually, are base their strategies on on winning. You know, so they when they win or get promoted, they get a huge amount of cash. That that money often goes to things that that might be quite unsustainable. Be that like players that actually could get injured or might leave you the next season, instead of necessarily getting you know invested in something that will grow the foundations of the club or improve the match day experience, put the fan at the core of of their strategy. Whereas for, for me, looking at us on Sunday, we entertained, inspired and encouraged new fans and will gain more fans from yeah. it, from the whole event, the foundations that we've built as the football club. And that's without even winning on the pitch. So we're yeah. we're doing things in the right way. And, and that that does take time. That's a gradual process. Um, and that is all about relationship building and you know inspiring and being being within the community and and that's a huge part of my job is being present within the community the players doing the same our coaches doing the same so there's a lot that goes into it a a huge amount that goes into it and football is such a unique business because the product is you know something that you can't control um because it's it's down to what happens in the 90 minutes it's it's different to when you're building a business where you've got a product or service that yeah that you can control yeah, all the time um you have to build a football club and a business um regardless of whether you win lose or draw on on a weekend and you've got so many different factors that could affect that from you know, injuries to weather to referee decisions. Um, so football is a unique business, and and that's why you know we're we're very clear on us building foundations first, um, and not putting necessarily a timeline on things. But of of course, we internally have have our ambitions, and and you know we want to be we want to be professional as as soon as possible, but done in the right way. Yeah, yeah, definitely means when you go up you get to stay up exactly that Kerry. exactly that we don't want to yo-yo in in between because that that makes it really hard to build a sustainable business um it must be quite demotivating for the players if you know that the 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 thrill and and joy of progressing and then the next season going back to where you were before that that's got to be hard to to take much more than just losing an occasional game from time to time Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, you see it across all football. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's 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 the same for the fans. You know, if you're a fan of a club that kind of is a bit in and out of in and out of the Premier League back into the championship in, you know, quite often I speak to some of those fans and actually they prefer they prefer being in the championship because they actually they win get to a bit more often. Win. Yeah. Um, 
So it, that again, it's it's an example of why football is so unique, um, and 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 for, particularly in the women's pyramid, so much is changing so quickly. You know, you've got teams that have been in in tiers sort of probably three and four for for many years, and then as things are becoming more professional, maybe they're struggling to keep up with with others. Um, yeah. which is why we've seen other clubs, you know, really go through the pyramid very quickly, particularly those that are attached to Premier League clubs. Yeah, um, they've got the financial backing absolutely. and the, the the whole structure. It's already there, right? But absolutely, for, the, for those clubs that have that financial backing and the structure that's there from a, a men's Premier League or, or, a, or a football league club, there's so many positives to that. But there's also an element of where they're actually quite restricted in, in kind of what they can do because they are part of a much bigger organisation where... I would argue men's football will always be the first, second, third, fourth, fifth priority, no matter what they say on in reality, even though they say it's equal and it's as important, the the men's team will always be first, second and third. So for for us, where we're independent, the women's team will always be the priority and and girls football will always be priority. So, um, you know, that, that's where there's a unique opportunity for us. And and I think that's where, you know, being honest, our, our, our partners, our sponsors, you know, such as obviously women who as well uh, are inspired by our story and inspired about by what this can be um, and how yeah, special it definitely. is. Definitely. Very exciting times ahead. And, and yeah, Lisa and I have become passionate football fans since meeting you and and some of the players and and coming down there on Sunday afternoons particularly because we've been in really nice weather the last <laughs> few games as well has been really good uh, claims we lane be there is... when it's raining too don't worry yeah thank you that that is the test yeah claims lane is uh, quite spectacular the view of the Malvern Hills it um, really is yeah particularly in that sun and, and Lisa captured was amazing she got so many great photos for us um on on Sunday and as I said I keep looking at them because they're they're just amazing and yeah, that setting and that that site, it's it's it, we've created a really nice atmosphere um, at, at yeah, Plains. And, yeah. Watching you know, the sunset yeah. as extra time was just starting was was stressful, but wow! At but the wow, same time. absolutely, it really was. It really was. So, yeah, lo- loads of amazing things going on, and and you know, thank you for for your support, and hopefully, we'll get many more um, of the women who Worcestershire fam to come down as well um that's and, the plan and lots yeah. of our kids at all the, the kids camps that you guys run in the the school holidays and things as well um you know both Lisa and I have sent children there um right. over the last few months and they they always come back having lots to say about a brilliant brilliant day whoever has been running that that session so I know Jess the captain of yeah. the team has run a few of them and you've had um former Spurs player recently yeah Jenna Scalacci who was the captain when I was there yeah she she came up and did a a, a train like a pro event so it was it was really great for some of those players again girls and boys come to our our football camps um for them to experience what it's like kind of doing some of the the drills that a pro would do um and and, and doing a bit of a Q&A with with Jenna as well which was really nice um and yeah the the the, the camps and our Saturday morning cub club at Clay primary school um have been something that's really important to us to to kind of try and promote within the area as well because it, it gives 
it gives people that opportunity to come and you know experience football have fun meet new people and I remember you know because there were barely any opportunities when I was when I was a girl playing football in, in Worcester I was always the only girl going to any like school holiday football camp thing um and again I I, I I'm so pleased that I had the resilience to just keep on going. It, it was a bit like water off a duck's back, really, for me. But I don't really know why. But it's really nice now when we see our camps, when we see boys and girls coming. And it, it it's part of that normalisation yeah. process. Yeah. So boys aren't growing up, coming going to these camps thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not going to play with a girl. She's not going to be very good because they're seeing it with their own eyes that actually they're completely equal so that's really really important to us and and something that you know will continue continue to grow as well well we are definitely looking forward to being part of a part of the la familia and and seeing worcester worcester city women's club rise over the next few next few years nicely done um, carrie i like how you've in- included la familia and rise in that <laughs> i had to i've got to get those words in somewhere um so one of the, the questions that we ask every single podcast guest on the Women Who podcast, are who are your women who? Women who inspire and motivate you, whether they're rich and famous, ordinary, everyday people, living or dead. Who who are your women who? Great question. Um, first group of people that spring to my mind are our, our players, honestly. Um, it's why I do this every day. It's why... I work um, 24-7 most of the time <laughs> um, around my own business um, is, is because of them, because, you know, I've I've seen how much commitment they put into to playing football. Um, I've obviously seen throughout um, working at Tottenham and, and representing players as well. The I think the word sacrifice needs to be used, like the sacrifice that that they've actually uh, given to to play football and to be at the best that they can be. Um, it's you know for those that have gone on to be professional or, or really go to a, you know that high level, it, it isn't just enough for it to be oh I love football and it's it's a hobby. It they have to Much sacrifice everything absolutely. Um, and because the narr- the media narrative hasn't been around women's football, not many people think about that or or know that. Whereas when yeah. you're in it every day, I, I really know. So. Yeah, for me, the the inspiration comes from the people that I work with day in, day out. Um, I, growing up, didn't have a female role model where I was like, that person inspires me to be a football owner or play football. Like, that that didn't exist for me. Um, so it's, it's always been the people that are around me and my support network. So from parents to brother to extended family, the support and the love that you get from those people are the ones you know that that's what inspires me yeah. so it keeps you going through people. the tough times as well it really isn't is it, it really um, really is yeah absolutely well thank you very much for talking to us today nicole we will put all the links to worcester city women's um, and na sport in the notes for today's episode and we will see you next time on the women who podcast thanks so much carrie Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. Find us online at womenwhoworcestershire.co.uk. Remember to like and subscribe and don't forget to sign up to our mailing list. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.